0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, change leadership number one. What's my visual? In today's show, we describe how to begin any effort to change an organization. Unfortunately, during this show, there were some audio problems on my side. And unfortunately, you're going to hear some echo in my voice occasionally. I apologize, and we're going to try to fix that in the future. But unfortunately, during the recording, there was something wrong with my equipment. And I didn't want to throw out the show simply because of an echo. So, with that, Mia Copa, here we go. Have you ever been uh, in an organization and there's some change management process going on, right? There's something really important. Uh, somebody's decided the CEO or somebody high up decides that they want to they want to change everything, and then middle managers we're stuck in the middle, right?
1: <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I, I got to tell you, everything you read about change is about what the CEO should do, or you know. And uh, in fact, I want to say a few years ago that Harvard Business Review did, had an article about. Why middle managers are it? They're, they're they're the important piece. They're the connective tissue of, of the company. But yeah, you're at the top, and our team wants more information, and we don't get it, and we have to make decisions. And yeah, we, we definitely feel the pinch. I I've been there. Yeah, and it's and it's
0: I find it really hard. I mean, I you know I I'm I'm a smart guy. Sometimes um, I listen to what my boss has to say. I got all the facts. Got all the details. I've got this logical argument. So I put it all together. I put my 50-page detailed presentation together. I present it to my folks. I'm excited about it, and they walk out of the meeting, and I don't know. They just don't look real excited. Yeah, <laughs> I don't uh, get it. A, it yeah. makes
1: perfectly, you know, perfect logical sense. What's that? What's that joke about more cowbell? You need you need more spreadsheets. Um, look, there's there is a better way. Uh, When we work with corporate clients and when we help with a change effort in organizations, it's very easy. You run a change playbook in, in much the same way that we believe that in a downturn, you need to be ready to run your job change playbook. And once you start hearing rumors of layoffs or something is, is not going well, you just run the playbook. It's that simple. We have a playbook when it comes to change. And every every initiative, every effort is different, but they all fall under, uh, you know, they all are built around a skeleton of the playbook. And perhaps the biggest surprise to people um, is that the first step in any change effort is an emotional appeal to those who are going to be involved in changing, uh, those who are going to have to change. And people just don't get that. And, and, and there's a reason why, which we'll talk about. But you don't get emotional change, which leads to behavioral change, with financially solid or even clever spreadsheets or, or big profit numbers. People don't feel emotional about those things. Uh, or even a clear cost benefit of, hey, it'll only take us this much more work and we get this huge bang for the buck or this huge ROI. Those don't work to change people. The, the business loves them, but they don't work. And so what we've learned is that visual, visual emotional persuasion is the single biggest idea we have ever come across when it comes to change efforts. If you do this well, other stuff, the rest of the process of making the change in the organization, flowing the change to the organization is much easier. And if you don't do this, everything afterwards in the change effort is much harder. Good.
0: Okay. So given that visual emotional persuasion is the biggest idea we've seen
1: around change, what's our playbook look like? What oh yeah. Okay. Doing? Yeah. Um, we have five, uh, points to make in this cast. The first one is emotions, not facts, are what cause change. Uh, And this is just human biology 101. Sorry, folks. Um, Number two, too many managers, and this is where we go wrong, and this will be helpful, I think, to many folks. Too many managers try to shoehorn our analysis into an influence. Move, And it's not. It never works that way. Yeah, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, my analysis is perfect. Why don't you want to follow me? Exactly. Right? Uh, number three, to spark change, you've got to create a visually compelling story or image. And because everybody's organization is different, we'll, we'll give you some ideas about how to do that. But we're also going to share our fourth point is four different examples of visual compelling stories or image that led to successful change efforts to give some idea of what it might look like, how it might feel, the thinking behind it and places we've been where we've seen this work. And then the last one, point five, is we have, we're going to suggest a a little bit of synergy at Manager Tools, which is as a way to make this easier for folks, we want to brainstorm in the forums about ways that people can use can 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 have an effective first step in their change process by using the forums and encouraging people to say, okay, here's my situation. Here's my problem. Here's what I want to change. What's my visual story? And that's why we uh, titled the show, you know, what, what, what's my visual so that people can start thinking, what would the visual be if I was going to lead a change effort and will help. Awesome.
0: Okay. Well, this, this idea that emotions and not facts are what cause change is got to be the single biggest problem with change efforts, both both large and small, right? In organizations of every size, and most of us, myself included, in the past.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, me too. <laughs> Mist- no question. You
0: know, we mistakenly believe that we can convince others right through through data and through analysis and through uh, presentations of all the details. We think we can convince others about the rightness of our plan and therefore motivate them. We believe that if they know the data. The way we do, they're going to come to the same conclusions we have relative to what needs to get done. And unfortunately, we've seen no evidence at all that
1: suggests (laughs) that is true. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually think that we get confused. We'll talk more about this in a minute. But I actually think we get confused in that we feel emotional about the stuff we're looking at. Because if we're on the team, if we're asked to to lead it, we're trying to figure out what works for us. We find what works for us. And then we don't translate into, okay, how might that work for my folks? And so we actually are feeling something pretty good when we look at our ROI and say, wow, that's a lot. But part of our emotion is also I'm gonna look good this is gonna help me I'm I'm leading something here and this is gonna make me better and make my results better and I might get promoted and my boss might like me more and I think that's part of the yeah. problem
0: good point good point our emotions are about what yeah. it means for us which is it, you know might mean promotion might mean visibility might be. Uh, perception of our effectiveness as leaders, yeah. but but that doesn't necessarily translate to our directs they don 't
1: get exactly yeah. they 're just going to have to work differently and harder, <laughs> and harder. <laughs> right. right? yeah and, and look you 're right. we have almost no evidence of the analytical approach the convincing people of the rightness and the the solidness and the the unassailable financial benefit of our plan. You can look outside of business for this too. think of politics, the same data exists. And populaces everywhere seem all too often just roughly equally divided on things. Household budgets, you look at the same numbers and one spouse says spend and the other, other spouse says we're going broke. Child rearing, one, one parent says, take it easy, go easy. The other one, same kid says, no excuses, you know, standards, standards, standards. And why is that? It's because of the way all of us think This is not high D, high I, high S, high C. Even high Cs, if you're listening. Yeah, detail-oriented. Yeah, perfectionists, right, perfectionists and engineers and accountants and IT people. um, Even the high Cs process information the same way as the rest of us. This is a standard model for human behavior, human perception in the world. The world happens around us. Our own individual paradigms filter that world out because we're just surrounded by too much data all the time, right? We think about what our paradigms tell us. So we see or we sense, we filter, we think, and then finally the last step or next last step is we feel about what we think every single time after we think we feel, and then finally we take action. Again, this is not pop psychology. This is not Horseman's 11th law. This is mankind, biology 101. If you can understand this podcast, we're talking about you, okay? You sense, you filter, you think, you feel, and then you act. And only then do you act after you've felt something. And look, think of it this way. All change efforts are ultimately about behavior change, right? How can they not be? If we're leading a change effort and no one changes any of their behaviors, how can we say we succeeded, right? right. By definition. Now, people may change their behaviors and we still might not succeed, right? Because we changed into the wrong behaviors. That's certainly possible. But if we stay, if everybody stays their old behaviors, change efforts are going to fail. The measure of all change efforts is whether new behaviors help the organization achieve its goals or not. Right. So, if emotion is what causes us to act, and
0: new actions are what causes our change efforts to work, it seemed pretty logical that we, as change leaders, have to listen to emotions in our target audience. Right? I mean, that makes makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's a nice logical argument. <laughs> um, but but think about it differently. How are you going to get people to give up their old ways without pulling on their heartstrings? And I know some high C's and high D's just went like heartstrings. Jeez wacky. Um, But the fact is you're not going to get people to give up their old ways without pulling on their emotional side. You're not. And since most of us didn't get any training on heartstrings with our MBAs that told us exactly what to pull and how, and what the ROI would be for each one, we better pull pretty damn hard to make sure we reach as many folks as we can.
0: Yeah. And, And surely we said it before here that there's a reason, at least in English, why emotion, motion and emotion look so close to being almost identical is they're both rooted in motive force.
1: Yeah. The words are the same for a reason because we move because we feel. Yep. That's why we say the show moved me because emotion and motion are, have the same root. Yep. Good. Now, lack of understanding
0: of this first point is what leads many of us to to get into the problem that we're going to talk about in point two. Yeah,
1: is, you, you and I both in the past have done this, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And and that is that too many of us try to shoehorn our analysis into influence. And that, that's just a huge mistake we make as change leaders.
1: Yeah, we, we, we hate to do this. We hate to talk about what everybody does wrong. But we're going to put paid to it now because we want you to know that we understand, we've been there, and we want to make obvious what it is you're doing now and why it doesn't work, and that will increase the chances that you'll be willing to say, okay, I get that, I feel silly, there we go, you feel, and, and maybe therefore we'll encourage you to change. Look, th- think of it this way, see if this doesn't echo your own experience. We're asked to look into options to solve some thorny problem or address some long standing issue. It might be to drive costs down, it might be to reduce throughput times, it might be to develop a new product for an as yet unserved or even an underserved market. And, and we get busy working with some others in our little project team, uh, we get excited, we get a bit hopeful, and uh, alternately maybe we're filled with a little bit of dread, oh my gosh, now I'm out on the wire and I, I could fall. Since most of us know that the new change has to produce more revenue at the same cost, or it has to reduce cost, or it has to speed something up. We know that the ultimate analysis of our efforts is going to be cost-benefit analysis. If we increase benefits for the same costs or we reduce costs while keeping benefits constant or we even better reduce cost and increase benefits at the same time, then it's likely our idea, our idea is going to get implemented, right? Right. So we, we, you know, we engage in our cost-benefit thing. We find out what project or program or software or process change, whatever we think will work, We'll have the biggest ROI and the biggest benefit relative to costs, right? And then we make our fatal error. And I speak from experience. We forget that deciding on something is entirely, utterly different than convincing others that that something is rightly decided upon. And we take our analysis, which we've lived with for weeks, months, you know, grown to love. We've grown to... Look at it every day and sometimes we hate it and sometimes we think, well, there's some good CBA in there, right? Good cost benefit analysis. And we see it as its own little entity. It has its own little life in in front of us and we share it with others. We share our analysis. We share our numbers. We share our case. With others. Yeah. And then we wonder why, why they, don't they don't get it. Yeah. And we go further than that, right? We go we get angry they don't get it. Jeez, you know, I'm surrounded by stupid people. Can't you see? It's so uh, clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, and folks, we're we're not laughing at you. We're not. Uh, we're laughing, we're laughing with you. Done it. Yeah, we've done, it. <laughs> we've done it. We've done we do it with each other now. We've both briefed the other person and say, Hey, I got an idea. And like, I've done this, so therefore. And I was like, Yeah, no. <laughs> you're like oh that, 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 that dude, reminds like, me of our last
0: yeah, ops call, actually
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, look it is okay to feel emotion ourselves about our cost benefit work our analysis our uh, the, the the digging that we do the the process changes we make in our head it's okay to see the insights that we get as moments of excitement that's a good thing. It's okay to add up all the savings over a year for some change we're going, to, we're going to engage in, assuming everything's going right, and get giddy about a $10 million savings. But it is not smart to assume that others are going to feel that same way. Our analysis of the problem requires different skills, has different outcomes than persuading others to our cause. But what happens is we fail to change gears. And because we keep trying to do analysis, sharing analysis, sharing factual information, uh, rather than changing into influence and emotional appeals and thinking about our audience and what will get the change levers moving, what the heartstrings are, our change effort starts off limping. And then what's worse, it drags its other foot right behind and and you start off slow and generally change efforts that start off slow don't go well
0: yeah it's good and it would be a mistake to think that those closest to you that you don't have to think through the same process
1: As oh good point was, yeah
0: yeah yeah I mean, yeah i mean just not to dig up our stuff but we had we have our operations call every every week and last last ops call i had this idea that was pretty exciting to me but, but I didn't, I didn't think, think at, at all about, about influencing Mark, and so I just, I just laid out, out kind of the facts as I saw them, expecting, expecting him to get excited about the opportunity and, and you, you know it frankly it, 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 it was a, a complete, complete dud, dud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go anywhere actually it was it was fine until I responded, and then it the, your, your response was like a dud, it was just so obvious. That you just thought I'd be like, yeah, dude, awesome, exactly. <laughs> and I and I went, no, dude, stupid. <laughs> and and there was like two minutes where Maggie didn't say anything on the call because. She's like, ooh. Yeah, there was clearly some tension going on on the call. Bosses in open disagreement. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's, it's interesting. The point here is, is, um, and and I shoot, maybe this is why why we decided to do this cast. I don't think so though. But I but I I sat back. No, before. no. What I normally do is when I have uh, points of conflict or things don't go as well as I like them to, I sit back and spend you know, literally half an hour walking through it and replaying my head and figure, okay, now what am I going to do differently next time? And this was exactly it, is I made the mistake of believing, since we're so close and we're partners, that I didn't have to do a thorough um, yeah. preparation for the briefing, right? I said, oh, you to yeah. not roll over, but you're just going to see it the way I do and, and get excited about it. And, yeah. yeah. So anyways, it'd be a mistake to, to think that just because folks are close to you that you don't have to go through this kind, same kind of analysis in terms of appealing to somebody's emotions. Right. So. Right. Good. Okay, so now the question is, okay, i got to do it. You've convinced me. Now how do I, how do I do it?
1: What do I do? do, I do? Right. Right. And probably this is one of those times where I think it would have been great to to have this sooner in the cast, but we had to make the case so many people are doing it and we say wrong, but we don't mean that like we're shaking our finger at you folks. We 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 just we, we share that story because we do it too. Um, we had to make a case for why things are done the way they are now, to help people see themselves in the old way, to motivate them to go, oh, I get it. Ah, I had my aha moment. Um, So sorry it took so long to get here, but now we're to the point where we say, okay, what do we do differently? Right, and, right. and, and, and
0: the point day 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 here day is, is, if you, day you day want, want to spark to change, change you got, you got to create, to create a, a visually compelling, compelling story,
1: story or image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, ho- hopefully everybody remembers or many, many people who listen every week will remember our story about slam dunk briefings. It may have been a year ago, maybe in six months, maybe been two years ago, you know, young professionals see them happen where, where a briefing is done that, in a meeting that they're in and everyone says, wow, yeah, great. We're there. Good. And the GM or the whatever says, yeah, you know, uh, The conclusion that the young person makes is, I need to learn how to brief like that guy, you know, for once being that guy is a good thing. And they copy this person's briefing style, which, by the way, is influenced by what he or she did before, but... It doesn't matter. The fact that the briefing probably turns out better because of what they did before doesn't mean that copying the briefing style is what gives you a slam dunk, you know, and they don't realize it. It's all about the pre-wire, right? Uh, That briefing was made a slam dunk long before the actual briefing started. And that's how you get to slam dunk briefings is you do a pre-wire. That's one of those apparent, not apparent lessons, right? It's not apparent in the briefing that that's what caused it. And it's one of those things that when you learn it, you know, the first time you see it and you you say, okay, I didn't do that briefing right. And I, gee, I thought that guy or, you know, she was really good. I did it the way she did it and it didn't turn out well. You go and talk to him and she says, no, it had nothing to do with my briefing. Actually, I'm a below-average briefer, but, man, the pre-wire told me everything I needed to know. And when I presented it, I included everybody's input, and I compromised, and everybody loved it because they all got a little piece of pie. And that happens, and you sort of, you know, you hear that, and you kind of let your mouth hang open, and you're just like, whoa. You know, I'd never heard of a thing called a pre-wire, right? And and we, you're, you're sort of stunned into a silence and you're thinking – if there are people around, you're furiously thinking, okay, you know, whoa, that's important. I got to go figure that one out. Uh, or or you do what Steve Jobs did, like like when he first saw the graphical user interface at Xerox Park, you you know, he started jumping up and down. What are you doing with this? How, you know, how are we going to turn this into something? And the fact is, if we want to have our change recommendations implemented so that cost-benefit analysis that we've fallen in love with is actually proven that it works... We must now change our hat to persuading others about the power of our idea. Again, this is how it's done. And the best way to do that is to create a visual story, something the audience can see, literally, which is going to move them. And literally, that means we have to stop. We, we have to stop what we're doing, stop the analysis, say, okay, now, 30,000 feet again, okay, or from my folks perspective right okay analysis is over how the question is how can i make them see and feel what they need to to be willing to change their behaviors yeah Yeah.
0: now now this is where where it gets gets difficult because you know everyone's situation is different different, so it's hard to give guidance guidance that's that's going to apply apply in every every situation so So, what we thought thought we might might do, do today is share four examples, examples and then kind of, kind of one, one bonus one example when we get to the to the to the bottom of it but, but as, a, as way a way of just showing, showing people here's, here's a particular, particular issue here's how somebody, somebody addressed, addressed it, it and, and i, I think, think some, some of some the themes will become um,
1: clear right and let's go back right we, we can tell you of some things that if you're doing them while you're trying to persuade others you're probably on the wrong track right so wrong track powerpoint with bullets wrong track PowerPoint with spreadsheets, which is my personal pet peeve in briefings. Well, no, no, even, even just, just spreadsheets, spreadsheets by, by themselves, themselves would be the wrong track. Yeah, right. it is, right. Next wrong track. Right, right. Next wrong track. Nothing to see in your presentation other than bulleted slides, you, and handouts. And I'm talking about sitting in the room, however the briefing is going to occur, and if the only things I see are the handout you give me, you, and your slides, if they're projected, that is complete wrong track.
0: Another wrong track, uh, multiple presenters without other visuals. You know, the idea of throwing multiple presenters in there with the same visuals as a way of creating excitement doesn't, doesn't work.
1: Yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. Another wrong track, emotionless rehearsals, right? I mean, where you're literally practicing getting the words right, but you're not telling a story and there's no other visual besides you. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's almost like actors going through their script with without actually acting. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly very useful. <laughs> and, and, and another wrong track: no stories, right? No, um, no story to capture people's e- excitement and interest, right? Um, just, just data. No, that didn't work. Right. All right, so let's stop there, and we'll finish this up next week. All right, folks, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Hey, if you're in the Seattle, Washington area, and you haven't checked out our one-day Effective Manager Conference, we're coming to Seattle on July 14th, 2009. Details are on the website, www.managertools.com. Hope to see you there. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. So long.